Wow. I mean, is there any doubt that the Holy Spirit is at work here in Crossroads? Praise God. <clears throat> we want to welcome all of you joining us from the online campus and from the West Campus to the last sermon in our sermon series from Ephesians. And today, uh, we're going to learn from Ephesians how to fight in this spiritual war that is raging around us. He was just a balding man with a long sleeve shirt and dark pants on. The people in the hotel, they noticed he was tall, but he was unremarkable besides that. There was no uh, frantic activity or any kind of uh, thing to tip off people in the days leading up to October 1st, 2017 in Las Vegas. Uh, but when uh, Stephen Paddock had finally prepared the 32nd floor suite to his satisfaction, he fired 1,100 rounds of ammunition, murdered 58 people who were watching uh, peacefully a concert. He left 422 others with bloody gunshot wounds, and it only took him 10 minutes, and then he took his own life and without leaving a single word of explanation. I used to think that Americans don't believe in demons. But, uh, you know, of course, because the scientific worldview that we're taught in school uh, teaches us that only what we can see and touch and feel are real. Uh, you know, we say things like, that's just your imagination, right? We say things like, well, there must be some rational explanation. And we say that, that's how we talk, so that people won't think we're crazy. But that's not what we really believe. About 68% of Americans believe that angels and demons are at work and active in our world. Of course we do. How else would you explain things like this Las Vegas shooting? You know, what is the rational explanation for the epidemic of public shootings in our culture? I did a Google search, and when I typed in school, the third suggestion from Google was school shooting. How is it possible that attacking children in school has become that common in our culture? The rational explanation is that Satan and his demons are real, and they are indescribably evil, and they work in the lives of people to destroy us. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you believe in these spiritual forces of evil? Does your spiritual life show that you believe in this? I mean, I'm sure that when you've read the Bible, you've found yourself kind of obligated to believe that they could be real. 
But are you taking action in your daily life to make sure that these unseen spiritual forces don't impact your life and your family? Has it ever happened to you that you wake up in the middle of the night terrified and you have no idea why? That's what these are, these unseen spiritual powers. And if we really believe the Bible, why do we still tell our children that there's no such thing as monsters? We need to be teaching them that we are in a spiritual war and Jesus Christ has already given us the victory and we have weapons to fight and defeat the work of Satan in our lives. We need to learn how to fight Satan and his demons and his work in our lives. Revelation 12 teaches us that one third of the angels rebelled against God and got kicked out of heaven. It says, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its heads and its tail swept a third of the stars and flung them out of the sky. That's that third of the angels that were flung to the earth and became demons. Uh, So this spiritual war we're now fighting on earth, it started in heaven. It says, then war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So this third One-third of the angels became these demons hurled to the earth, and they're filled with bitter hatred. It says, woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. It also says, then the dragon was enraged, and he went off to war against those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. The war is against you. So these demons want to hurt God, but they have no way to do it. He's just too powerful. And so the way they get at God is by harming and destroying the precious people that God loves, whom he created And if they can turn somebody's eyes away from God and towards them, and they can cause that person to burn in hell with them for all eternity, that's the worst hurt they can place on God. And that's the spiritual war that we find ourselves in. But the Bible teaches in the book of Job that Satan can't harm us without asking for God's permission first. And it also teaches that God works all things, even demonic opposition, to the good of those who love the Lord. 
And so that makes Satan the unwilling servant of God. I mean, he wants to hurt us. He tries to hurt us. His attacks are intimidation tactics designed to discourage us or fill us with fear or turn our eyes away from God. But God uses even the most spiteful attack to the good of those who love the Lord. So when I was working in West Africa as a Bible translator among the Yalunka people, the Yalunka people, for them, demons, that was, that was real. That was settled science. They had been sacrificing uh, chickens and sheep to demons for hundreds of years before we got there. And a lot of them had uh, stories that they could tell about when they had seen and talked with demons before. And while we were there, my wife saw, uh, a couple of times saw demons. And we talked to uh, a young uh, missionary kid who could tell you about seeing and touching demons. I mean, these demons are real. And uh, one year, <clears throat> we had this sermon, uh, sermon series on spiritual warfare and healing, and we were preaching it in the church, and the church uh, got into this. And about that time, uh, one of these people from another village, his friend of mine, became a friend of mine named Lai. He had epilepsy. And the local witch doctors had been treating him with so many demonic treatments and medicines and things that he had become so demon-possessed that it took four big men to hold him down. I mean, he, he said to me that he couldn't see human skin without trying to bite it. He was just a snarling screaming menace. And uh, he got to the point, he said that these dark forces had closed his throat and he couldn't get any water or any food to go down his throat. And he went for a lot longer than a week trying to eat and he couldn't get any food in. And people had just said, okay, we're just gonna, we're gonna just wait for him to quit screaming and finally die. And about that time, the pastor from the church went in to visit this guy, he knew him from growing up, and when he walked in, this guy looked, took one look at him and said, Jesus Christ has come to save me. And so the pastor came to me and he said, hey, I wanna borrow your car. I'm gonna get some really big guys. We're gonna grab this guy. We're gonna put him in the, in the car. We're gonna bring him to the church. We're gonna pray for him and see if we can cast these demons out of him. So he took my car and he, and he took some big guys to hold him down and they're holding this guy down so he doesn't destroy the car. And they get him and they put him in the hut right next to the, villa, the, to the church and uh, as they got him in there and they started praying for him, he said, you know, I feel better. Uh, I think you could let me go now. And they're like, no way. He said, no, no, really. You know, as they prayed for him and cast out the demons, he's like, I'm, I'm a lot better now. I think y'all could just let me go. And they're like, well, if you're really better, would you eat something? And he said, yeah, I think I could. By the time I got there, this guy was shoveling rice into his mouth like I have never seen anybody eat anything. He became a follower of Jesus and he got baptized and he is now in his right mind and he is trying to plant a church in his own village. Praise God, right? All right, so <clears throat> maybe you haven't seen a demon, okay? I get that. And uh, maybe you're like a lot of Americans where you're just kind of like, not really sure you believe in these things. Uh, you don't really know that we're you know, surrounded by unseen spiritual powers. Uh, it's a little bit like uh, when I was 
preparing a sermon on this one year when my son was six years old. And, uh, and he said, Dad, what are you preaching on? I explained the sermon to him. And, and he said, he, you know, he mustered up all the sophistication a six-year-old can. He said, sounds a little crazy to me, Dad. I was like, yeah, son, I, I know. <clears throat> it's a little bit like when I would try to explain bacteria to the Yalunka villagers. I'd be like, hey, uh, you're sick because you have a bacterial infection. And they'd be like, what's a bacteria? I'm like, well, uh, they're microorganisms that are so small that you can't see them. And I said, well, if it's that small, how does it hurt me? And you say, well, there's millions of them. They're on every surface. And they'd just be like, they would say, eh, too bubbly. Which translates, you poor white man. <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> but the Yalunka people, they tell stories about they have seen these demons and talked to them, and we could learn about this from them. Because in this spiritual war, we're like soldiers who don't believe in the enemy. Right, and we just walk around through this battlefield and there's bullets whizzing by and there are bullets ricocheting and bombs, spiritual bombs going off and blowing up people's lives all around us and we just never make the connection. We just don't even believe there is an enemy. You know, it's like, oh, wow. wonder, how did the youth minister get addicted to pornography and how did, you know, Pastor Jim, how did they get divorced? And, and how did, uh, wow, that's just so crazy. How did the elders end up in a, a big, bitter feud and fight? You know, all of that stuff, we just think, oh, that's, that's strange. It's just spiritual bombs just exploding all around us. And we don't even make the connection. And no one could be more vulnerable than a soldier that doesn't believe in the enemy. But Paul teaches us to fight. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. So demons are as real, according to the Bible, and as present around you as bacteria. And, the, and they can be just as deadly. And the prescription of the Bible is that you would take your stand against them. Now the word translated stand your ground, it's a word that means to stand face to face with someone or something. To stand up to demons, to oppose them, to resist. It's, this is like kind of the go-to word in the Bible for how to deal with Satan and his demons. Uh, in the book of James, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And Peter says, uh, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. The same word each time. So the way that we resist demons, in my opinion, you know, our, our kind of gut intuition about this is that we just pray a lot. But that's not 
the example we find in the scriptures. It's good to pray, but there's more. Uh, we need to resist demons the way Paul and Jesus resisted them by commanding them to leave. So like in Acts 16, there, that, that tells a story about Paul is, uh, comes across a slave girl who has uh, a demon and she's following him around and she's shouting day after day, day after day, she's following around shouting and finally Paul has had it. He's had enough of this demon. And so he just, uh, it says here, Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very hour. That's the model for how to resist. I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. So notice that it doesn't say, Paul, terrified, covered in goosebumps. No, no, he's, he's like, he's annoyed. He's, I've had it, this is enough. He's mad, you know, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to take this like that. And it also says that the demon did not come out until he commanded it to leave. So that's the model we have for resisting demons. You know, he didn't bow in prayer at that moment. That wasn't the time for that. It was the time instead to claim the victory of Jesus on the cross and to kick those demons out. Get them out of the girl and away from his ministry. And this can still work for us today. I know a family in West Africa uh, that moved to a region of the country where no one had ever tried to share the gospel before in the history of the world, as far as we know. And they moved into this house there, and uh, one night, and they started having trouble every night with their youngest daughter would wake up just screaming hysterically. And, and the mother would come in and try to comfort her. She wouldn't even come close to her mother. She was looking at something in the room. She was just terrified. And uh, one morning at breakfast, the older sister came to the breakfast table. She's 10 years old, and she said, uh, Mom, there was something in our room last night, and it growled at me. And her mother said, uh, weren't you afraid? She said, no. I told her, I belong to Jesus. You get out. And it left, and it never came back. This is... For a Christ follower, this is easy enough. This is 10-year-old, 10-year-old girl level, right? I mean, this is, this, imagine, imagine the humiliation of this demon. I mean, he's like, he's kicked out. He comes across another demon. He's like, hey, see that house over there? Don't go in there. There's a 10-year-old girl. She will kick your butt right out of there. <laughs> Don't do it. It's humiliating. So we're surrounded by these spiritual forces, but if we don't kick them out by driving them out out loud, we might be just letting them kind of roam around our house and roam around our office wherever they want to go. Uh, and not a lot of people feel comfortable you know, speaking out loud like that to something they can't see. I think they might feel a little crazy, right? Like my son was telling me. And demons do the greatest damage of all to us when they uh, magnify a secret sin in our lives. Because when we're sinning, we harbor that sin in our hearts, we're giving them permission to get a foothold in our life. And when that demon targets you, 
That's how a temptation becomes a sin and a sin becomes an addiction. You know, that's what turns lust into an uncontrollable addiction to pornography. That's what turns sickness into chronic disease. And that's how a little conflict that goes unresolved can become a bitter feud that ends relationships. Uh, Years ago, I had a conflict with my colleagues over in West Africa. And, um, you know, we, we got into a pretty significant conflict. And then, you know, when it was over, I did the Christian thing. I forgave them. I mean, I was angry. And then, you know, I forgave them because, you know, I came to grips with it. I was right. They were wrong. Once I got, you know, to that place, I was like, okay, I can forgive them. That's kind of how I felt about it. And uh, then, thinking I moved past it, I went back to the United States on home assignment. And I, I suddenly, every time I found that I was praying, I found myself uh, thinking about this conflict. You know, I thought it was behind me. I'd start praying and all of a sudden I'd be thinking, you know what I should have said? Oh yeah, if I'd have said that, that'd have really, you know, they shouldn't have said that to me, no. You know, how could, how dare they? To me they said that, you know. Have you ever thought, had these thoughts like that? Is that just like me or is that, okay, well maybe, don't, don't raise your hand. All right, so I'm like having this experience for like a month where I can't pray because every time I'm praying, I'm thinking about this conflict out of nowhere. And I'm at, you know, I'm just praying to God, God, please take this away. Nothing is improving. So finally I said, Lord, show me why this is happening to me. It was just like a curtain was removed in the spiritual world. And I became aware of a demon that was magnifying that anger and making it into bitterness. And I just turned on him and I said, you, you did this to me. In the name of Jesus Christ, you get away from me and you go wherever Jesus sends you and you leave me alone. And it was like a weight came off of my shoulders and I never had those feelings again. The Bible says that demons are harassing you too and that you can fight. So here's what you do. First off, put on your armor. All right, the weapons in this war, it's not like the movies. Okay, everything you learned about from the movies, you just get rid of that because Satan made those movies, okay? No spooky incense, no crosses that you like hold up, no magic words in Latin, no. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. Our weapons are to live the fundamentals of the Christian life with power. So I'm a Bible translator by trade. So I retranslated for myself Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. Let's reflect together on these powerful words. It says, so strap on all the weapons of God so that you can stand up to evil when it comes. And after you've overcome it all, you'll be left standing. Therefore, brace yourself by buckling the belt of truth around your waist and strapping the breastplate of right living on your chest and lace up the footgear of training to spread the good news that brings peace. And always keep your shield of faith up so you can snuff out all the flaming arrows 
that the evil one fires and accept the helmet of salvation and the spirit's sword, which is the message of God. And lift up every prayer and request in the spirit moment by moment and through it all. Watch over all God's holy people in prayer. Never stop praying. So Paul is teaching us, you protect your core with the truth. And you cover your heart with right living. And you train hard to be able to race from place to place with the good news that brings people everywhere peace with God. And block Satan's temptations with faith and faithful living. And refute the thoughts that the devil wants to insert into your mind by knowing intimately your Savior. Sharpen your knowledge of the, the scriptures so that the Spirit can use them to cut away the strongholds from the people's lives around you and protect the backs of your fellow soldiers every day by covering them in prayer and never stop praying. We fight the enemy of God by being Christians. That's the power. So here's how I do spiritual warfare, okay? Uh, I regularly pray for help to put on each piece of armor. So like I'm gonna be praying, I'm gonna say, Lord, I now put on the breastplate of right living. Lord, I wanna receive from you the protection of my thoughts from, uh, that comes from salvation. Lord, I want you to teach me to memorize scripture so I can pull it out and use it to help others in this war. And just go through and pray one thing at a time. And then uh, we, I often will pray the words of Jesus that he said, when he said, deliver us from evil. And I elaborate out the different kinds of evil that are attacking, like evil thoughts, evil people, evil spirits. Lord, deliver us from evil thoughts. Deliver us from evil people and evil spirits. And then third, I ask God to send angels to guard my home and my family. And have you ever seen in the book of Revelation the, the descriptions of angels? And there's this huge angel. He's got one foot on the water and one foot on the land. And there's some kind of rainbow thing happening. And you just look at it and you're like, whoa. What if God sent one of those angels to protect your house? Would that change your situation a little bit? It would. Okay. And then fourth, I dedicate my home as a place of worship or as a place of, or even my workplace, right? So I'll go around our office at where I work at Pioneer Bible Translators. We'll be having a lot of conflict in the office and I'll just go around before people get there and I'll be you know, praying over it and saying, this office, just as sure as the tabernacle was a place holy to God, just as sure as the temple was a place of worship, this office, I'll go and do it at my, at my house too, this home is dedicated to worship of God and to the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I go through and I, and I dedicate it, just like they did the temple and the tabernacle. And 
Then I drive out demons. And this is kind of the part we're the least comfortable with. Okay, drive out demons from my home and my workplace. Uh, so, you know, this is simple. I mean, remember that little girl was doing it? We can do it too, all right? So we're gonna practice a little bit, some words that I like to use. Uh, how about we'll just use the 10-year-old girl's words. I belong to Jesus, you get out. Okay, let's practice together. I belong to Jesus, you get out. You guys actually, you got promise, you could do this. All right, um, and then let's try the grown-up version of that from the Apostle Paul. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get out of my house. In the name of Jesus, I command you to get out of my house. You guys are gifted. Okay, so uh, when you go home, give that a shot. All right, number six. Oh yeah, don't do that part when the neighbors are watching. <laughs> trust me, trust me on that one. Okay, uh, the sixth thing is I turn away from evil in my life by saying, I have nothing to do with you and you have nothing to do with me. Let's practice that one. I have nothing to do with you and you have nothing to do with me. This is what he means by resist the devil and he'll flee. Um, so what'll happen to me, I'll be like under some kind of temptation and I'll be like, in the name of Jesus, you leave me alone. I belong to Jesus, you get out of my life. I'll say, I'll have, I have nothing to do with you and you have nothing to do with me. And right then, boom, I'll remember a secret sin in my life. It's almost like the demon is saying, oh, you think you have nothing to do with me? You brought me into your life with that sin. And then I'll say, okay, I'm gonna repent right now. As of now, I'm not doing that anymore because I can't afford to have you in my life. So I repent and now I have nothing to do with you and you have nothing to do with me. And I get victory in my life from Satan and I can overcome sin. And so let's sum up the spiritual warfare thing. Pray on the armor of God daily or weekly. You know, Lord, I take on the, the, the shoes of preparation of the gospel of peace or whatever. Uh, and then pray, deliver us from evil, from evil thoughts, from evil people, from evil spirits. It's important to remember, not every thought that enters your mind is yours. Satan puts these thoughts into your mind. It says, you're nothing. That is not of God, it's not of you. That is of Satan. Deliver us from evil thoughts, from evil people, from evil spirits. Ask God to send angels to guard your home and family. Dedicate your home as a place of worship and prayer. Regularly drive out demons from your home and workplace and turn away from evil in your own life. This is what I call spiritual warfare maintenance. Now, I don't think you should like make this a hobby. I'm saying it's kind of like when you change your oil in your car, right? Uh, you don't change your oil every day. You know, you don't like every minute. But, you, you know, it's very similar because like you actually don't have to change the oil in your car. And it'll be fine for a long time and then your car will be ruined. Same thing, you don't have to do spiritual warfare and it's gonna be fine for a long time and then your life will be ruined. So do your spiritual warfare maintenance, regularly just do that. And you know, I preached this 
message at a church in another city or a message like this. And uh, people came up to me for weeks. They kept coming up and they say, hey, you remember that thing you told me? I, we thought we were going crazy. There's stuff going on in our house. I went home, I tried that out, we're fine now. Another, another couple came up and they said, you know, our marriage was in a really dark place and we began to do this spiritual warfare and, and we're, we're really, we are, our marriage is renewed again. And just people kept coming and coming. I just had this picture of, you know, what in the world happened in that city where that day on Sunday, you know, that one Sunday that suddenly all these demons are like kicked out of all these houses and kicked to the curb. They're like meet out in the street. Like what in the world is happening in our city? What could happen, church, if this whole church began to fight this spiritual war with the weapons that Jesus has given us? This is so simple. Even a kid can do this. Don't let demons hang around your family. Why would you let them turn temptations into addictions or sickness into death or conflict into bitterness? when you could just kick them out in Jesus' name. What, imagine what your life could be like without them. Let's pray. Lord, there are people here right now who um, are struggling with temptation. I know it because I do it every day. And I, I pray, Lord, that right now you would give them a renewed sense of confidence that yes, they really can get victory over Satan in their lives. They really can. They can really leave behind those sins forever. Lord, I pray that you would bless this church with the full measure of the glory and the power of your Holy Spirit, that each one would be filled and each one would learn to fight this spiritual war and that this church would be victorious over Satan. I pray this blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen.